0: Hey everybody, this is Hannah here. Don't worry about it, I sound different, I know that. Um, I just wanted to let you know I wrote this book called Millenniagram, so if you go to amazon.com, type in Millenniagram, it'll be the first thing that pops up, and uh, pre-order it. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell the boy you're talking to on Grindr, the girl you're talking to on Tinder, um, or Fat Life, if that's your thing, tell them. Uh, But either way, spread the word Uh, you're going to really like it. It comes out in May. Oh, and by the way, I did this because I asked Hannah to make this commercial. She didn't. So this is the unofficial Millenniagram book commercial. Thank you.
1: Hello, babes and trolls, kids and queers. Welcome to Millenniagram, the Enneagram podcast your pastor definitely won't be recommending. Together, we are here to learn a little self-deprecation, a little integration, and together, dig ourselves out of our goddamn ditches. Let's get into it. So the first mini-series that we are embarking on this season is Sex and Dating, because we're millennials, and this is the shit that we like to talk about, and also one of the areas in which we are the most fucked, okay? So... I have asked a lot of really smart people about their sexual ethic, because I think it's so fascinating to figure out how people arrived at where they are. I know for me, I was so busy trying to get myself free of purity culture um, that I just really did a whole like pendulum swing free for all situation and didn't take the time to reflect on, okay, How is my trauma going to inform how I interact with people sexually, how I relationally connect with people, how that plays into being a four. And I think once I realized that it had to be something intentional, that I had to not only like get rid of the old framework, but like build something in its place. That's when I started to realize, okay, fuck, like I have some work to do. Um, I think especially for me as a four being the feeling triad, I have been so concerned about making everybody else happy and being seen as this like sex goddess, you know, and seeing myself as that, that I didn't. Consider all of the ways in which I was not actually sexually empowered. And so I was on tinder I'm swiping. I'm meeting people out at bars after too many gin and tonics and I Don't actually have the tools to make positive decisions about my sexual ethic. So Kind of realize that those are decisions that have to be made for me before I jump into whatever situation with this random stranger, which oh my god literally, I watch so many dating shows. I don't know why I'm fascinated with it. I can't even look at the television half the time. Like, there's this there's this dating reality show on Netflix now, and it, this all started with The Bachelor. It's a slippery slope. Okay, people, like, don't go down it. Um, but It's called Dating Around, and I genuinely cannot look at the television for the sheer awkwardness of these blind dates that are transpiring, but I watch it because I'm interested in how we connect with people in like the masks or the facades that we put on or that we think we're supposed to put on in order to trap someone into caring about us. Um, So... I'm watching this show and I realize um, just how deeply I never want to be in a scenario like that again. However, um, I think it's really interesting to talk with each other about how we connect with people, what kinds of people attract us, why is there a difference when we're healthy when we're not? You know, I also think that like monogamy shouldn't be just the default. Like we shouldn't just expect that everybody has chosen monogamy, like that should be an active choice too. And so is non-monogamy. So I asked people, hey, how'd you get there? How did you meet your current partner? Or how are you navigating the dating world currently? And I got some really fascinating answers, definitely informed by Enneagram types, um, definitely informed by uh, the conversations around sex that we experienced in like key developmental stages, which is also one of the reasons that I'm really excited to talk to people about parenting and about childhood this season. So let's get into it. This episode is called Mating Call. How do we connect with people sexually and romantically and why? Let's get into it.
2: Hi, I'm Jamie Lee Finch. Um, My pronouns are she, her. Um, I am the resident millennia gram sex, witch. Um, <laughs> ah, yes. as it were, this question brings to the forefront, the existence of something called a sexual ethic. Um, <laughs> right. and that it is something that people actually need to develop, which was interesting. Cause I just tweeted about this like two days ago. Um, <clears throat> cause it came from a conversation I was having with one of my clients where, um, she's actually, um, a client who's out of the country, she's in Australia. And so we're talking about how interesting it is that um, even though for her kind of coming out of um, a background where she was kind of leaning into some of the ethics of like purity culture, she finds herself in a spot where when she's talking about now that she's kind of deconstructed and she's talking about kind of sexual ethic with friends of hers who were raised utterly non-religious still finding that like huh it's interesting how i still kind of don't really meet them or match them in where they found themselves mm. um and so we were talking about this idea of like well it's possible that they actually haven't done that work to create like their own sexual ethic and right, so right it was this idea and what i tweeted was just because someone was raised totally separate from purity culture and so maybe they don't have that damage um and haven't like deconstructed from that and built something else doesn't mean that they have actually done the work to develop their own healthy sexual ethic because there is doesn't mean there was any intentionality there. One hundred percent, yes, right, yeah, okay. And that was something I actually did have to learn um, over time, and for sure, it was something that my my body and my relationship with my body brought me to and then through because um, I remember. Two big things I remember about it is, you know, coming out of all of the relationship with all the guilt and shame about, you know, you're only supposed to restrict, 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 suppress inside of the evangelical world. And I didn't really do the greatest job at restricting and suppressing. And so um, <laughs> I had a lot of shame. Um, and it I mean, it was interesting. And I won't get into like the, spe- the specificity of my kind of shame and how it was like strangely different than a lot of the shame I hear my um, clients and friends talking about. But I did have it. It was there. And one of the things that wasn't difficult for me when I deconstructed that religious belief was to kind of start having shame-free partnered sex. Um, That was actually... Fine. Like it, it, that was an easy thing. Like I let go of that like as quickly as I let go of the like a belief in hell. Like it was sure. like gone and I never <laughs> thought about it again. But what was really interesting is um, that shame where that shame did live was in my relationship with uh, masturbation and autonomous sexual experiences mm. um, because it was still rooted in a lot of that. Um, messaging from purity culture that my sexual pleasure was supposed to be the conduit unto the sexual pleasure of a male. And so if it was like all mine, that felt dangerous and wrong.
1: So like what I've had to learn the extremely hard and painful way is that rejecting regressive understandings of sex isn't enough to create like a holistic and healthy sexual ethic. You actually have to have a holistic understanding of your body. So creating a sexual ethic is about a correct understanding of your body. And that really shows up in different ways for each of us um, with our different coping mechanisms and our different numbers. So I'm gonna get into that a little bit. Um I'm one hundo gonna drag myself because let's be real, I am a four and I am more interested in my perception of myself and my body than I am of it's like actual truth. <laughs> so um that is one of the things that i am working on overcoming shout out to therapy and let's talk to a couple other folks about it
0: yeah um my name is michael uh michael vasquez i am my pronouns are he him his and this is so much fun (laughs) (laughs) love it love sex and dating um that's not really true. I love... Like, sex is great. Dating is a nightmare, honestly.
1: It's so miserable. Yeah. I'm
0: just like, why Why do we do this to ourselves? Why? Literally, why do we do this to ourselves? Truly. Um, yeah. How did I choose my current sexual ethic? Um, mostly by falling on my face. Um, I think... Um, the kind of therapy that I found most helpful for me in life in general has been exposure therapy um, and no one recommended it. I didn't pay anyone to tell me to do it. I just was like, mm, if I like force myself into this thing, like maybe I'll figure everything out, uh, get over my fears and my panic and my shit theology. And so I left evangelicalism in like 2016, like I left working for them. And so the process of purging, like all of those issues, um, has taken some time. Um, and it really was, like, I had had sex once in the entire time I was with evangelicalism, which was, like, five-ish years. Oh, my years. God. One time. <laughs> and I remember wow. the sheer panic. The
1: self-control. Well,
0: you know, proud of myself, uh, I think. Yeah. Or disappointed. I'm not sure. Like, I could go either way.
1: Maybe a bit of both,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. honestly. Amen. Amen. I, um... Like, I just remember just being, like, deeply lonely and, like, not sure what I was doing. And, like, I downloaded Grinder because what else do you do as a gay man in this world? And, you know, I, like, hooked up with some random dude in his car and then, like, went home and just wept for hours um, about, like, how I had failed God. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, I called all my... The shame, account- the
1: shame goes so deep.
0: So deep. I called all my accountability buddies because, you know, that was a thing. <laughs> like all in different time zones I woke some of these fuckers up and was like oh my god I did a thing and it's all over (laughs) um and I was like truly terrified that I'd like um because I was about to lead a retreat with some of my students and I was like I have no authority to walk into this room and talk about the divine having just done the great evil that I had done it was so bad it's so bad. Yeah. Fast forward a few months later, it's now no because that was in August of that year. I think that was twenty fourteen. Um, fast forward to November, and I'm making a public confession to all of my students in a room of thirty students, <laughs> no. and saying I have failed you, um, and this has been haunting me for months. But I have failed you by like doing this thing and then pretending I was like a good leader in any by any stretch of the imagination. Um,
1: Holy
0: shit. <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, it was <clears throat> a nightmare. Um, and just, I, I felt compelled. Like, no one made me do that, right? Like, but I just felt, like, so much shame um, that I'd been carrying this thing. Um, and in retrospect, like, the sex wasn't even that great that it should warrant such a, like, a painful, like, four-month <laughs> <laughs> extended piece of agony, right? Like, um, but now, like, fast forward to I'm leaving, I, I, I've left... Uh, staff with this organization and I have my first boyfriend and I told him that I still wanted to wait for marriage and he was like semi-Christian and he was like "Mm, yeah sure okay that lasted like a solid (laughs) yeah not a chance it lasted a (laughs) solid three weeks Um, which honestly feels like a miracle too but the only way that happened is because we were long distance and so there was literally no way of doing it um (laughs) And so the minute I went... Come on, there's Skype. (laughs) Yeah, you know, but I was a little bit more self-control It's not the same
1: thing. It's not the same thing. Yeah,
0: so the moment I saw him in real life, I was like, this is over. I'm done. Like, I don't... I'll pray about this later, uh, I think. Um, And so for starting then and for about six or seven months, I just, like kept pushing my boundaries of, like, how far was I willing to go and leave behind this thing and then ask the question, is the thing that I just did that bad? Is the thing that I just did um, that horrible? And sometimes it was like, yeah, because the sex was bad, right? Like, the sex wasn't good, right? But it was like, "Mm, I don't feel like as i like i lean into like my my spiritual practices i don't feel like the spirit of god has left the temple like god has left the planet like no more com- com- like conversing with the divine right like it's all over right i'm like oh like you know my sense of who god is it's
1: so upsetting how they make you feel like everything about you will change right and then all of a sudden you're like wait i'm the same person yeah and almost nothing is different
0: yeah i'm like everything's everything's the same cool i guess i'll keep doing this the wild thing that happened though was (laughs) like at some point um after now i'm like deep into like i'd broken up with that like toxic first boyfriend and now i'm deep in like dating as a gay man like what does this mean can i date non-christians what like how what is sex i don't know right like all of these things i'm like trying on everything
1: All right. So this is just one bitch's take. Okay. And I have not met all of you and all of your connections are the exceptions to the rule, but everybody asks me when meeting people, how the different numbers react and what they're usually looking for. So I am just going to go off of what I have observed. Okay. I don't want your hate mail. Send it to the DMS, which I definitely do not check. Um, so meeting people ones, I have experience. tend to be really into nines because nines are really close to them on the intuitive triad, so it's really easy for them to kind of create like a relational rhythm, I would say. Um, And also ones being so in their heads about doing everything right. Nines just bring this overall like centeredness to their lives that really kind of mellows them out, makes them feel at home and okay. And I love that for them. Um, And a lot of times nines can lean into that one wing so they can sort of like sense where a one is coming from. Nines just make really great partners. I know it takes them ten years longer than everybody else, but like once you, once you lock one down, you you got them. you got them for good. So that's great for them. Um, twos seem to really enjoy someone who they can. Um, Someone who will kind of take charge, and I and I see this for two reasons. I think that some twos, the more like submissive twos, tend to really enjoy somebody that they can be a sidekick to. And then there are those twos who are like, I have integrated to eight, I am in charge, I'm the CEO, but you know, they get tired and we're going to run into that with eights too, who like these people who are super powerful, super on it, they're always making shit happen. Um, they don't always want to have to be in that role, especially in the home. Um, when we go to threes, it seems like threes really enjoy a challenge. So they like anybody who will kind of force them out of comfort. And, um, honestly threes really kind of get off on being called on their shit. So that's hot for them. Um, and I also love that for them having a very strong three wing myself. I love it when people just read my mail. So sexy, love it. Um, fours want their depth to be matched, or at least they want to be seen in their own depth. So I know for me that often, so like eights I'm attracted to because I feel like even though our intensities are different, we can sort of, um, match each other on some level. Um, I really love, I am attracted to other fours, but I don't know that that's necessarily healthy. Like that's kind of been in more of a uh, I want to date myself phase, which we really get into the, like, would you fuck your clone kind of deal? Um, which yes, I would. Thank you. Um, I have been historically super fucking attracted to fives. I talk about it on the internet all the time um, because I sense that, you know, I'm I am taking information constantly, constantly pulling information into my heart space, and fives are constantly pulling information into their headspace. So I sense that like similar energy, and it feels like we could do that in a parallel way. Um, but I do also sense that um, my attraction to fives has kind of come at unhealthier times in my life where I'm like, I will crack the code on this person's emotional withdrawal and like, I'll fix them and it'll be great. Um, and they don't actually need to be fixed. So that's one of my (laughs) great lessons of the last five years. Okay. Um, moving on to fives, I sense that fives at their happiest, they want to be allowed to be the way that they are. Now, of course, they have to sometimes be challenged to, like, actually, um, involve themselves emotionally in things because they like to withdraw. Um, but I think people like sevens can get them into that, like, adventure fun headspace. Nines can make them feel really centered and at home. Um, I honestly wonder if other fives are not good for fives. I mean, it it sounds like a travesty to me in terms of just the general lack of emotional awareness. But, you know, as a feeling triad baby who has gone way too hard on the fives in my life, I could see that being a thing. I don't know. Uh, I would love to hear five chime in on this. Um, sixes seem to be really attracted to nines. They need to be brought down. They need to be reminded that um, what they are afraid of is not happening right now. Um, But also they need to have their concerns validated. So, um, yeah, I I think any number that is able to do that, I think fours, we are really good at... um, being able to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes. I could see twos doing that really well too. And then again, with the like stabilizing energy of the nine, I could see that being valuable as well. When it comes to sevens, I genuinely believe that the seven five relationship dynamic is one of my absolute favorites that I have seen. Um, They really just have such a fun energy. I think of like, um, oh my God, Andy Dwyer and what's her bucket? On Parks and Rec, why am I forgetting her name? This is so stupid. I love that show. April, Andy, and April are like the classic seven-five situation. Um, they have so much fun together. They have really niche like jokes and humor, and they just like create their own little world, and it's adorable and and troubling. Um, eights generally, I feel want to be met, and that's what I keep running into um, with eights in my life is that they um, they have a lot of power, they have a lot of intensity, but they don't want to feel like they always have to be in charge, like they always have to be running everything going on in the fucking relationship. Um, I saw somebody tweet something today about... Um, not farming out your relationship conflict because eights get tired too. And I genuinely, I just feel for all of the eights in the world who have been forced to speak up about situations um, or, you know, kind of bring conflict to the surface because the rest of us are fucking avoiding it. And I'm literally calling my actual self out there. Um, And then the last thing with nines is... They need to be brought out of their shell. Okay, yes, because literally they're turtles and they could just live in their adorable little homey comfort shell forever, Um, but they also need to be given time and they need patience because their timeline is going to be longer. Just like their emotional processing, their communication of that emotional processing, and then, you know, I just feel like every nine that I've ever liked is a fucking long con and I have not had the patience or the time, but I know that there are people out there who do. I would, I mean, that's an indictment on my fucking self. Like I could be having that centering energy in my life, but I have, I am a chaotic wreck. So, um, yeah, I think that nines who feel, um, Like, there is space for them and there is time for them. Whoever is willing to offer that up um, is really good for them. I've seen twos work really well with nines. I've seen fives work really well with nines. I've seen sixes work really well with nines. Um, Yeah, I think there's a sense in which. nines can kind of be attracted to people who are bigger personalities who play more central roles sometimes and um a lot of us divas really need and love that so um that's something to consider let's hear from some of our guests about what and who they're attracted to both like platonically and romantically because i think that we do not talk about fucking platonic attraction enough we're gonna get into it
0: To answer that, uh, I would say the numbers that come immediately to mind are twos, fours, and nines. Um, Hmm. And so, twos in particular, um, and I learned this from another friend who's um, also an Enneagram genius, and she always talked about like twos just find themselves radiant, like super attracted or like uh, magnetized by eights. And so, I've often found like, oh, like, Wherever there's an eight, there's like, there's a two not too far behind, right? Like they're just they're like ready to go, right? Um, and there's just something about twos willingness to um, at when they're at their healthiest, right? Like willingness to care um, for others and to serve others and to. Um, to protect others it just like really turns an eight on right like i'm just like "Mm, yes (laughs) same um you're like because
1: nobody ever takes care of you guys exactly like everyone thinks that you are in charge and what you are um right (laughs) but also it's like you need nurturing as well
0: right yeah, it's literally it is literally that in the sense like I can be at a protest with a bullhorn or I could be in a meeting like pushing back against like toxic whatever right and like standing my ground for justice and then someone, like, comes to you like hey I brought you snacks like I don't really know what's going on here or I do know what's going on here but like my priority right now is like your well-being I'm, like oh, which oh wow. Um, Way to tend to my, like, wounded inner child that's been hiding behind all of this intense energy, and you just, you see me. Um, and, Mm. which then makes me, in response, feel, like, incredibly loyal to the twos in my life. Like, I will defend you to the end of days, right? Like, I will murder, I will overthrow, I will (laughs) destroy anything that comes against you because, like, you care so deeply um, for, like, my whole being literally
1: eights are eights are my favorite humans to have like on my team because i know that they will do <clears> that <throat> i know that they will like stand up for me although I, I feel like what i what i'm hearing a lot is i'm interviewing a lot of eights this season is that there's just there's a certain um uh they stand up so much for people y'all stand up so much for people but don't often feel like others stand uh. for you
0: oh <clears throat> I need to go now mm. <laughs> that is um that is like the biggest truth uh in every possible mm-hmm. way right like when I think of the times I have tweeted or folks have tweeted like check in on your strong friend it's like is that like a an enneagram 8 proverb right like I'm <laughs> um, just calling out right like hey we we also need to be cared for right and I think often like I, I feel this way that like I don't like asking for help right because I I like living into my strength I like living into my ability to um, compartmentalize really well like my emotions go over here so I can defend the the needy over here right like or I can I will yeah. remain strong in class right like I something I like, in the classroom in particular, I know it's like, I remain one of the only people, right, who's willing to speak up when some white cis het dude bro says the most dipshit <laughs> shenanigans in class. And I'm like, is no one else going to respond to this? Like, did no one else hear this, right? Like, and so I'll say something, right? And afterwards, people will be like, thank you so much for saying that. I'm like, fuck you. Like, you...
1: Why is it always going to be my Right. Job?
0: Like, you also could have said something. Um, and so that... That, that kills me. And so then you come back to, like, Enneagram 2s, are like, I it's not really my thing to be the one that yells all the time, but, like, I uh, see you, and I brought you coffee. Um Because that seems like that was hard and a lot for you. So, can I take care of you? I'm like, oh, shit, will you marry me? Like, <laughs> will you hinge your life to mine for the rest of our days? Um, because I don't know what this experience is like. What is...
1: I love the 8-2 dynamic, too, because I feel like 2s so often, like, I had this mistaken idea that, like, disintegration was always bad, mm-hmm. but I feel like for for 2s, often, like, going to that 8 place really helps them to kind of reclaim, or, or maybe for the first time establish a sense of, of personal power that they didn't have before. Right. And 8s integrating to 2, like, when you're in a place of, like, security in yourself and who you are then you're able to be this like generous loyal like amazing person to have in someone's life and so yeah i think i think that's really cool how you i don't know it's almost like a yin and yang situation there
0: yeah oh absolutely and like one of the most impressive things i've ever witnessed which is like the one of the it's kind, it's kind of weird but um is i had a super close friend for a few years back in evangelical land who was a in Enneagram 2, that's a whole complicated story, but, um, dear friend. She was a delight. She was, like, the epitome of Enneagram 2s, and, like, our relationship is the epitome of, like, the 2 eight dynamic. And it had become an unhealthy, toxic, codependent relationship, friendship thing. And we started parting ways. She just kind of disappeared, and I, like, remember, like, looking back at, like, oh, this is what evangelical was and sending her this, like, apology for, like, all of that. And then just sitting there, like, I am so grateful because what she had done, right, like, she was able to acknowledge this codependent thing is unhealthy for everyone. Um, And kind of leaning into the unhealth of everyone, right, like, or disintegrating towards her eight was, like, I have to move on now. And I was, like, yeah okay, I respect your autonomy. Like, and that was just deeply oh, wow. impressive. And I just, like... And that's just my... Like, not everyone responds that way. I think I'm like, you can ghost me because that's the only thing that makes sense, right? Like, we were in this toxic world and, like, go get free, right? Like, um, mm. and at least as an 8, I think I was able to recognize, like, um, good power, healthy power. And her claiming her power was also... Kind of, a, in, in, in this weird way, a testimony to me to say, like, also go get your good and healthy and mm. just power and not this other thing we've been living in. And so um, the problem is, as an eight, right, like, in terms of, like, attraction and, like, relationships, of like, oh, that just turns me on or, like, that makes me more interested or that makes me more longing. The relationship, <laughs> like, yes, claim your power. Like, this is hot. Like um <laughs> uh, like that's so weird but you know we're, we're getting raw and honest here right i think that's what we're doing um yeah. yes yeah uh,
1: we like it raw mm,
0: yes <laughs> absolutely
1: uh, okay talk to me about fours and nines then
0: yeah um fours have a capacity to hold a hu- huge range of emotion um and intensity and those (laughs) gloomy yeah as a four you know right like and i'm just like thank you for creating a space that is cloudy and gloomy and dark and stormy and all of those things that i can enter into um and feel protected by right like um no, no shades to the sevens in my life but like get out of here with your perpetual sunshine like i don't have time for this right like i i am angry and i have rage and i have intensity and i don't have anyone to like process that with or to just sit with me with that and fours i've always experienced is like uh we could just sit in silence but like in that silence you will experience depth and knowing and i will hold all of this with you and Let's hold this together, because I like to go to all those dark places, and so I'll go there with you. And I'm like, wow, what is that like? What is this new <laughs> teaching, as the scriptures say? <laughs> um, and so, again, I'm like, oh, can you always do this? Can, you, can I hinge my life to yours, right? Like, <laughs> And then, meanwhile, nines, like, I experience as non-threatening, right? Like, mm-hmm. um... I don't experience nines as having an agenda. And I think probably because they're, like, to lean into the trope, like, they're probably always napping. But, like, nines just, like, <laughs> they, they're they just sweet and great. You're not wrong. Right, and, like, you know, uh, super chill. And I'm like, oh, like, my intuition, like, my intense radar isn't panicking when I'm around you. Like, you seem naturally genuine and trustworthy. And so I feel mm. safe here. I cannot say the same about yeah. threes. I have a whole rant <laughs> about threes. <coughs>
1: um, I, I love that about nines. I, I had a nine partner that I really felt that like calming sense around them mm. where I just, when I, you know, being so chaotic and unhealthy and in my feels and then I would get over and it was almost like their actual space. Like the minute that I stepped onto their porch, I was like, Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> I'm already feeling the energy. Yeah, um, which is really cool. But the thing is with nines, that they are such a long con. That sometimes I'm like, oh no, I don't. <laughs> I don't know if we're gonna get anywhere romantically. Right. Like I love you. <laughs> Um, as a human being but like are we are we gonna connect maybe at all or right is that a couple years down the road they just have such a more extended timeline i feel that we tend to <laughs>
0: yep yep and i'm like i want to get there now right like <laughs> i have i'm ready to go right i have concluded in my gut that you are the person and so what the fuck are we waiting for i don't get it
3: Um, My name is Hannah, Schaefer, and Evans. (laughs) Um, uh, People call me Hannah Evans, they call me Hannah Schaefer, they use both last names. To be quite honest, I don't really care. I really like the phrase sexual ethic. Mm. Um, It very much appeals to my one sensibilities. (laughs) That's me integrating. Let's talk ethics. Yes, Um, it's hot. Well, um, yeah, so I guess I'll, I'll just preface by sort of explaining a little bit about my own, like, relationship status, so I've been in a monogamous partnered relationship for the last five years, um, with the same person, he's great, uh, and so a lot of the stuff that we were f- figuring out when we were first starting dating was b- before I knew anything about the Enneagram. Mm. So a lot of what I think about like at the beginning of dating is really more understanding how my Enneagram type affected it in hindsight rather right. than in the moment. <laughs> right. In the moment, like I didn't have language for a lot of those things, but looking back I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can see how that was, that made it all it should show, so... <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I think I have a really hard time with intimacy. Mm. And I think that, uh, a lot of ones maybe do. I don't, I don't want to make my experience like super normative because I've never lived any lives as anyone else to my knowledge. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, um, for me, I find that, there's a there's a sort of panic that sets in when I when I feel like my autonomy is being jeopardized in Ooh. any capacity. Mm-hmm. And that happens a lot in dating relationships especially because when we first started dating I was 19 Ooh. and still really like Enmeshed in a lot of what I learned growing up as evangelical and like what dating looked like and what it looked like to see my friends date. And I just had a lot of opinions about what I didn't want to do. <laughs> right. But I didn't know what I did want to do. So I just spent a lot of time freaking out. I mean, I jokingly say, like, oh, we never had a honeymoon phase, you know, haha. <laughs> but, but like, the real truth of that, like, the true part of that is that. We just fought a lot for the first six months that we were dating. We really? Just yes, it was such a it was a mess. Like it really was just a mess. And I, and like the bright side of that is that things have just consistently been better and better over time like every year we're like this is the best year Mm. and then the next year we're like no this is the best year so just like keeps going up steadily but for sure the first six months of our relationship were the worst and the hardest I would never go back
1: (laughs) so it's interesting that you say that and and I'd love to I'd love to parse that out a little bit more because most people do have a honeymoon period where they're just like you know starry-eyed and and then they start to they start to come into contact with their partner's, like, flaws maybe six months to a year in. <laughs> um, it seems like maybe for you as a one, that wasn't a thing. Would you say that in hindsight? Like, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Talk about why you yeah. think that it started that way.
3: So, ones are for sure idealists. But I do not idealize other people. Mm. I've, I'm not the sort of person to, like, get really starry-eyed about celebrities. I don't really flinch when I'm with people that are, like, super intense. Or, like, I like I know how to hold my own and just sort of, like, be even keel no matter who I'm around. Which, hello, Nine Wing. Um, <laughs> but, so so there's a part of that. Like, I just don't have very much, like, starry-eyed idealism in, in general about people. Not, not because I don't love people, but because I, I'm just... I I can't think about it without being intensely aware of the fact that there's a dark side to everyone. Mm. And so, and even if I don't know it, I know it's there and I'm going to find it eventually. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I will say that that came out in a pretty unhealthy way when Logan and I were first starting to get to know each other and then starting to date is that I felt like I needed to constantly be aware of his flaws and also like know that he was working on addressing them at all times. Oh dang. Okay. Poor baby's a nine and he's like, I don't want to, talk about my flaws all the time (laughs) like (laughs) I know they're there I'm not denying that they exist but can we do anything else for like (laughs) our our date night tonight than talk about the ways that I'm doing things badly so and that's a completely fair request
4: hi I am Antonia Terrazas I um Fuck, I don't know how to describe myself. I hate this question. <laughs> this is great. Um, I am a four. I am a Miranda. I am an ENFP. I um, am a queer fat femme living in Texas. Um, I'm an ex evangelical. I'm a hospital chaplain, sort of. Um, and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's I contain multitudes. What can I say? I feel like the way in which maybe like being a four, we love, or like how I we love a backdoor gift though. You know what <laughs> I mean? Um, <laughs> I know. I heard it as I <laughs> there it is said it it's fine. Um, well, shit! Now you've distracted me. <laughs> cool. Uh, okay, so like I feel like the way that I process certain certain like messages of purity culture as a form like you know were helpful in some ways because there was like there was a lot of teaching around like not um you know like not doing things to make you more attractive to like a potential husband oh, or whatever. Right. And like, and like being, you know, like working on yourself first before, you know, like that whole dateable book or whatever. Oh and like, you know, are you right? Right, right, right. But like the way I, you know, processed it was like, yeah, I better be, you know, like I do want to be like fully myself and like in touch with myself and whatever before i like i invite anyone else into that space yeah Um, and luckily i had a lot of time to do that because i did not date for a (laughs) long time um and like it made me think of uh you know that like bullshit phrase that was like oh my god it's so pinteresty that's like you should be running so hard after god Another
1: thing I'm interested that needs to be discussed is like, okay, we can create this sexual ethic that seems to work for us like on the front end of things when we're single, ready to mingle and like scrolling through Tinder or whatever the fuck, but like how does that change or evolve or can it or should it or is our sexual ethic fluid when it comes to being partnered and all the different spectrums of partnership that are that are out there and I'm interested in having conversations that don't just assume that monogamy is the default because like it shouldn't be and it seems like if we can have conversations about choosing that actively whether it means hey I tried on non-monogamy and it didn't really work for me or um one of my favorite sevens, Ethan Lewis said, I was filling all my voids with people when they tried non-monogamy, but for some people it can be really healing and, and, um, centering. So I think it's interesting to talk about, um, how that changes for different numbers going from singleness to being partnered on some level. So let's talk about it. Here's
2: Jamie Lee Finch bring my sexual ethic in as a wrecking ball into a partnered relationship. Like when I Mm. enter into a partnership Mm -hmm. or into a relationship with like any amount of people that is committed, like that's me saying like your ethic matters as much as mine. So let's figure out what this looks like together. So even, so currently I'm doing something that's really, really uncomfortable for me as an eight, which is leaning into all the things that make me uncomfortable. And (laughs) I like within my relationship with my partner, um, we had in the past, the conversation about, um, so I, I mean, I am partnered. We were on a break for the last few months, like sorting out some traumas and things, and it was yeah. really smart and really healthy. And we'll probably get into, you and I will probably get into talking about that a bit more when we talk about like my relationship with my four partner. But, right. um, so I am currently partnered and we've had the the conversation on the table before about non-monogamy versus monogamy um, there were some moments where I brought that up in some really insensitive ways and and oh. was kind of bringing it up in the sense of I need you to meet me here or we can't do this and again that's me as an eight trying to take control to make sure. myself feel safer sure. and one of the things that I've actually come to and I'm, you can't see me but I'm shifting my body language because I'm so uncomfortable talking about this but <laughs> I, I have realized that for me and I'm not going to say this is forever and I'm not going to say this is for anybody else but non-monogamy was a place where I was hiding for a while Hmm. because the idea of um I have a I have a client who's an eight and she said this thing once which was so brilliant and she said something about how (coughs) part of the way it feels for her to be an eight is that lots of people have parts of you but not everybody has all of you And there's something that feels so safe about that because I'm in control because no one has all of me. And being with a four, he has such access to his vulnerability and his emotions and what it really feels like to be in an intimate space where you are... I mean, you're never going to have all of a person, but he is so ready to sign up for that. And I'm noticing within myself that that I have a massive resistance to that. And I don't know yet if that's because I just am, I'm lean more comfortably biologically into non-monogamy or if that's because I'm afraid of something. I truly huh. don't know yet. And so okay. I have gone back into EMDR and trauma yes. therapy because I'm trying to figure it out and I hate it. Um <laughs> But it's it's necessary and I I love my body enough and I, I love my partner enough and I love, you know, the idea of what we're building enough and I also know that what I figure out about how comfortable I am with vulnerability and intimacy doesn't just stay in my partnership or my sexual relationship with my partner. That's going to find its way. That healing is going to find its way into every other relationship I have with other, every other person. And mm, my relationships mm. are worth it for that. So my current sexual ethic right now that we're moving in is is strictly monogamous right now. Um, it is partnered. Um, we are definitely wanting to... Try because we've been apart for so long, we're definitely wanting to try and explore a little bit more of each other's like fantasies and desires and really kind of dig dig on into that, which is great and feels really exciting, um, but also like vulnerable and scary because it's this one person. So (laughs) yeah, if you can't tell, I've got a theme going, which is like, I thought I was good at vulnerability until like a month and a half ago. Went through some experiences and some conversations. I was like, oh fuck no, I'm not good at this yet. And that sucks.
1: (laughs) So for you, does it feel like, um, when it comes to the vulnerability thing, because, because you put so much of yourself out there in your work on the internet, you, you share so much of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, but usually that is in ways that you have the ability to control, like you get to con not, not that you, what well, you do, you control the yeah. narrative, mm-hmm. um, which is completely fair, but also mm-hmm. have you, so you're trying to say that that is a place of safety for you yeah, and exploring and thought, intimacy mm-hmm. means that you lose some of that control.
2: Yep. And that's exactly it. Cause I thought that because I was a person who was open about just everything, um, uh, that, that equaled vulnerability Mm. and what I was coming to realize or what I have been coming to realize is that it's exactly what you're saying where it's like, no, when I'm doing that, I'm controlling the way that I tell the story And I'm generally only ever telling those stories that I was passing off as vulnerability. I'm generally only telling them from a standpoint, or from like the vantage point of success, where it's like, look at what was hard, and now here I am, or look at what was confusing, and now here's the meaning. And what I'm coming to see and realize is that I have a massive discomfort being seen in process, and because it looks, because that feeling that the language that comes up in my body is. I'm going to be perceived as if I don't know what I'm doing because I fucking don't because not everybody does all the time. But that feels like two inches from death, (laughs) like being seen as someone who doesn't have it nailed down and totally in her control. And that doesn't work in relationships. It doesn't. I tried it. I tried to do that. I was controlling my relationship with my partner and in a way that I was almost like pathologizing his emotions.
1: So uh, big surprise, bitches, but we're broke. (laughs) I've been literally so grateful for all of the assistance that we've gotten through the Patreon, um, through this last first season and coming up on this one. Seriously, we could not put this out without you. Um, But also Corey and I could really use your assistance. We're both working like 18 jobs and trying to get this off the ground. So if you can go to patreon.com slash millenniagram, you can instantly get access to exclusive content exclusive hangouts with me um, at one dollar three dollars five dollars we're not talking much here i know that y'all don't have much i don't have much but we're all helping each other so please go to patreon.com slash millenniagram and join us be a part of our team today it would mean the world seriously thank you so much to those of you who are already supporting can't wait to see what we can do with your help in season two thanks
2: I was finding myself really attracted or able to be attracted to male eights and that is not a thing that exists anymore generally (laughs) um I had I have um I did recently meet this um male eight that we um I connected like really well with and he was giving me some like really valuable advice on on stuff with my business and and when we were talking about the experience of connecting with other eights, he, he brought this thing up. He's like, do you know what the distinguishing factor is when you walk into a room or you initially like meet uh, another eight, do you know what it is that you can sense within your body, within your own self to know whether or not they're healthy? And I was like, no. Ooh. And he was like, yeah, I, ready, ready, ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. He said, respect. And he was like, he's like, the reason why I knew that you were a healthy person is the moment that we met, we were like around this like fire, like with some, you know, mutual friends. And he was like, I, when you started talking, I instantly respected you. And I was like, huh, that's really interesting. Cause I felt, I mean, I felt the same way when he started talking, I respected him with what he was talking about. And when I think back on some eights that I That proved themselves to be extraordinarily unhealthy, but I felt this weird, like almost like tractor beam attachment to. The thing that is so almost embarrassing to put language to now is that I never actually respected them. (laughs) And so it's like, what the hell was I doing? But I mean, yeah. So that definitely... And I don't know. I don't know where to put that. Maybe it's like I was attracted to the sameness or maybe the fact that if they had vulnerability issues too, maybe that felt safe where we didn't have sure. to be all in with each other. I've, I have no idea, but I just know it wasn't good.
1: <laughs> well, I've wondered, so um, my my partner and my one and only sister are both eights. Mm-hmm. And I had a really fascinating conversation um, with my partner a while back about how eights Always want to be met with the power that they bring yeah. to either a conflict or even just a, a any kind of difficult conversation or engagement. They want to feel met, mm-hmm. and I wonder if that may have been some part of your attraction to other totally. aides, was just like here's somebody who can who is not going to cow in my presence Mm -hmm. or somebody who's not going to capitulate necessarily who can meet me. Yes.
2: Because that was a source of frustration in attempts at dating in the past was feeling like I was just consistently intimidating people. And I was like, this is fucking boring. Like, (laughs) why don't you just like, like fight me on this? Like, don't like probably the least, the least successful and most frustrating. And it like ebbed and flowed constantly back and forth for like two and a half years. Like, Quote, relationship with a person that I was ever in. Mm. And I have no idea what his number is, but I mean, I guess it's probably either something like a two or a six or like I, someone who's not gonna fight me because he just never fought me. And he let me win, so to speak, constantly. And what I mean by that really is that he let me treat him in ways when I was unhealthy, he just let me treat him, he just took it. And so if, if I don't feel challenged or if someone doesn't call as much as I hate it when someone calls me out and someone's (laughs) like, Hey, don't do this. Obviously we fucking hate it, but your partner's right. There's this match in your, in your energy and in that intensity Right. And so I think the initial draw of those like unhealthy AIDS that I was, you know, connected with, I think the initial draw of that was that they would match me and there was like the spark. And then, you know, you come to realize like, that's actually not that interesting when you're just really fucking unstable. So (laughs) no. Um, and the weird thing is, is too, when I think about past numbers, um, Let's like flip all the way to the opposite. For some reason, like the, the cold disconnect of a five, like really did it for me. And I, I like, <laughs> what
3: is that? <laughs> oh,
2: um, I, don't... I can't anymore. I, I cannot like, I love being friends with fives, but I, I could never date another five. I don't think.
1: I, I have 100% and I've been very, very open about it on Twitter. Just my, my absolute obsession with fives. And I think for me as a four, it was the emotional challenge of like, (laughs) I have an emotional capacity that most people don't. Uh And so I'm going to be the exception. You know, I'm going to be the one that gets to this person. (laughs) I'm going to crack this nut. I'm I'm going to crack this nut. Yeah. And it's just, they don't need to be cracked. Like, God love Mm-mm. them, but I know. that's not helpful to them. And it's definitely fatiguing to me. So Yes! Yeah, <laughs> it
2: puts way too much pressure on you. And then it also, if, if that's a male, too, it really plays into oh. that whole, like, Manic Pixie Dream Girl saves the aloof, disconnected yes. boy. Yes! Yeah, Jesus it, yeah. Christ. Which, sucks that we've been sold that as like a narrative to aspire to because mm. we might consciously be like that's some nonsense but subconsciously there's still this like allure to it because it's Absolutely. the stories we've taken in for so long which is bullshit but <laughs> yeah the uh, the last one I think that like I I really well here's I'll give a I'll end on a, a high note I'm like like folks I really love um the few times that I have dated um ones mm. it's actually been really delightful Um, Yeah, and I I don't know if that's maybe because there's something in maybe the soul of an eight that kind of gets the thing that's in the soul of a one, which is like we are often perceived as being too much and we just want to be seen for like the, the good intentions that's underneath the, the the surface level behavior that most people misinterpret. Right, um, right. And so for us with eights, it's like our intensity that people usually experience as like unsafe or unkind. And we're like, no, 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 this is a fight. Like we never don't have a fight in us. And like when we love you, <clears throat> that is the most powerful thing ever. And that's actually good. And for a one- It's kind of a similar thing like the way in which they kind of organize and control their world and um are and, and this perfectionist like quality that a lot of them tend to have like even in their relationships too but especially like in the way that they treat themselves I I feel like that from what I've heard from a lot of ones that I'm friends with and that are clients of mine that's something that they can end up becoming feeling really insecure about because they feel I don't know, Just it, they're just concerned about the way in which that's going to be perceived by other people is that you're going to see my behavior, not my motivation. And mm. I don't know how to explain my behavior to you in a way that's going to be acceptable if you're not, if you're not desiring to look for my motivation. And that's something that comes really naturally, at least to me as yeah. an eight, where yeah. I'm like, oh, I can see, I can totally, I want actually to see your motivation because I trust that more than your behavior. Um, and as an eight are being really perceptive in those mm. things, um, I can kind of almost see the motivation better than the behavior. So there was always this kind of, like, we don't need to explain ourselves to one another things, like, with whenever I would be involved with the one. Um, but ultimately... I think one of the things that would kind of end up falling flat and wouldn't work is something that is very present in my relationship with my four partner and just fours in general, which is that like passion and that spark and that fire Yeah. that the eights and the, the combination between the eights and the fours. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like that is there. And yes. in the time zone, it would be like, I could connect intellectually and emotionally and all that really well with a one. And yet that kind of like spark that I'm looking for as an eight, like wouldn't quite be there as much on that level. Whereas with a four, it's, it's a lot of times a bit more work cause we do speak like kind of different languages. But if I yeah. choose to evolve beyond my lack of vulnerability, I can connect in the emotion and the intellect and all of that so well. And that spark is there. So fours and eights, right. it's tough, but it's like so far I'm like, it's a lot of work, but it's like the most ideal kind of, I feel like this kind of like checks all the potentially checks kind of all the boxes. I think every single fucking number on the Enneagram has something to teach us about what
1: not to do in relationships. <laughs> that could be a whole episode. Here's a little bit from Shape about
3: that. I needed to constantly be aware of his flaws and also, like, know that he was working on addressing them at all times. Oh, dang. And okay. Poor baby's a nine, and he's like, I don't want to talk about my flaws all the time (laughs) like I know they're there I'm not denying that they exist but can we do anything else for like (laughs) our our date night tonight than talk about the ways that I'm doing things badly so and that's a completely fair request um which to be fair to myself I think that uh he definitely like felt a need to overcompensate by like ignoring them or acting like oh. they weren't a big deal or minimizing them, which only further uh, ag- exacerbated exacerbated my anxiety about making sure he knew they were there and that he was taking steps to deal with them. Mm. So it was this like vortex of nightmareness. Yeah, where, I like, totally see that. The more I would nudge, the more he would resist, and then it was just this like
1: because nines can be downward so avoided. Spiral.
3: Um. Yeah yeah when they're,
1: yeah when they're less healthy or when they feel pushed in it, some way
3: totally it was very much like a pushing and resisting kind of mm. scenario
1: so um so you met when you were nineteen and then so how is your how has your partnership progressed since then and why do you why do you feel like you're now kind of in a sweeter spot in your relationship what what changed with you what changed with him
3: mmm yeah, wow, so many things. Well, I would say the the biggest one is that things definitely got better, but they hit a point where I was like, you know, he, we want to get married and I don't feel good about doing that until after you have gone to like as in him gone to therapy um Mm. not because he's a super dysfunctional person but because like I felt like I needed I need to feel good about where our relationship was at and there was there was an unfair element of me kind of having this thing in my mind of like our relationship needs to be perfect before we can get married (laughs) um which again, not realistic. Um, but I do think that there was a healthy element of like, I need to know that you'll go to counseling and that you'll take counseling seriously because we will, you and I, and separately and together, we'll definitely need it again in other seasons of our lives. And I need Mm. to know that if I ask you to go, that you'll, you'll do it or at least consider it.
1: That's smart. So,
3: so we went, we went together and then he went separately for about a year. Um, And that was the best thing like we've ever done for our relationship. Our our relationship is permanently different because of that season. Wow. Because I, well, I was really, I was really proud and I went in being like, He's gonna tell Logan that he has to do stuff now, and and our <laughs> our counselor was was like, also you have to make room for him and love him even if he doesn't do what you want him to do. And I was like, what oh, do you mean? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, what? I was like, well, what about all the things about like accountability and like all the stuff that my whole life like, because I had overcompensated for for seeing all the women in my life who didn't hold the men in their lives accountable. For things Ooh. and so I was like you have to do everything right but then that doesn't allow for like humanity either like it requires so much discernment which is so difficult but but basically yeah like like realizing oh my gosh by by telling Logan that he has to basically change the way that I think he should or this relationship's not gonna work like I have not created a relationship with any amount of like grace. or Mm. or gentleness. There's no tenderness in this. Right. This is just grow or else. Like your entire relationship can't be an ultimatum. So as you can see, babies,
1: this miniseries is going to be a banger. Quick roll call of everybody that you heard on this episode. You can find Jamie Lee Finch at Jamie Lee Finch on Twitter or jamieleefinch.com. Get on her wait list. I'm already on it. Dear Lady Lord, let something open up soon. Um, you can find Michael Vasquez at M V Sebastian on Twitter. Or you can follow his amazing work in queer activism in Christian schools at Brave Commons. You can find my buddy Antonia Taurasas at Antonia Tarasas on Twitter. That's T-E-R-R-A-Z-A-S. And you can find Millennium Substitute Teacher Hannah Schaefer Evans at Hannah Schaefer, S-C-H-A-E-F on Twitter, I can't wait for you to follow them, learn more from them, and I can't wait for you to find out who our guests are next week. Oh my god, so good, so excited, ugh.